It's an absolute joy to be with you here, and um, I feel so honored to be invited to speak in this church. I know this church is quite big compared to our church, <laughs> and, uh, but it was such a, a fun time when we had dropped over to our church a few, few months ago, and uh, it was really nice to just have Rob and speak to us and, and kind of like, again, emphasize on identity and which is from a different angle that we've never heard before. So people were really blessed. And they, th they all thought that drop was very, very Pentecostal. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, they enjoy that. And uh, I think uh, the people here in this part of the world, they're not used to an excitement and expressing your emotion and all that stuff. And they thought that drop was brilliant in that. <laughs> so he tried his best. <laughs> and uh, we, we, we really enjoy that. So, and also, uh, as you know, my name is Pin, but actually that's not my full name. My full name is Pin Yarlang Shabong Konsem. That is my name. It's so difficult to pronounce. So that's why I said it's good to just call me Pin. Yeah. So I'm, I'm always known as Pin everywhere. <laughs> so, and I come from the northeast of India, not the northern part of India, the northeast. If you think of India, northeast is close to Myanmar, Bhutan, Bangladesh, China, Nepal, and all those places. So I came from that place, and a place called Meghalaya, where the clouds come home. That's the meaning. And if you Google, you will find that I come from a place which is the heaviest rainfall in the world. This is nothing. <laughs> we got average of 45 feet of rain every year. 45 feet. <laughs> and it's also the wettest place on earth. And it is, it is also known till today as a Scotland of the East. <laughs> it's true. I'm not making that up. If you Google, you will find it was given by the British people. The Welsh who came 170 years ago to my place, a missionary called Thomas Jones, and he came and brought the gospel into our land. And uh, the whole state, almost the whole state, I think 87% are Christian in my place. So it's just amazing to see that this Thomas Jones has brought this gospel with a little bit of English, with a little bit of British, which we're trying to work out now how to get to unlearn that, and then to be Indian Christian, uh, but it was such a blessing to have him come over. And he found a script for us, and he translated the Bible into that, using that script. Until today, we are using that Bible. And uh, you will be surprised if I mention to you that till today, some people in Wales can still speak my language, Khasi. So English is my third language, so my grammar is all over the place if, when I write things, but when I speak, I think I'm okay with it. Yeah, okay. So I hope you can all hear me yeah, clearly. Yeah? So, and, uh, so that's where I come from. I was born in a Christian family, and, uh, but I have never been a Christian till the age of 24. So I will share that story later on. But before I move on more, uh, I think I'll just introduce my wife, Hannah. She, she, I think it'll be good for her to give a family news that you will know about our family more and about whatever she wants to share. Right. Good to you. Morning, everyone. Is it on? Yeah. Yeah. Who just wanted me to share a couple of things so that you could get to know us better? Um, I was brought up in Loughborough, not too far from here. So I love... Um, going to the north and um, I at the age of um, 
22, I moved to Hong Kong and I lived in Hong Kong for two years. Then I moved to Qatar in the Middle East for a year. I'm a primary teacher. I teach. Lydia, she's supposed to go to the university board 
um, but she was missing the university ball because she wants to go to the Arab ball with the Egyptian girls. And I said, how is it you've ended up going to the Arab ball with all the Egyptian girls? And she said, Mum, I was born and brought up in the Middle East. Yeah. <laughs> so the children are very much, they have all the nations in the heart and they don't do what other normal kids do. Go up and do what, you know, what God's called them to do as well. So yeah, I mean, that's just like the whole story in a nutshell. Thank you Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you. I thought it'd be nice to hear Hannah's story as well. And uh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you the details of all of that. <laughs> anyway, for me, I think coming to UK is a massive challenge because uh, when I was in Oman, I was leading a church with 22 nations in the church. We had we had five congregations, and it was it's a, it's a totally a different world and there's not much of paperwork that's all I can say also <laughs> not like coming to UK I've got so many paperwork to do yeah. and which I'm so rubbish at it yeah. I'm so bad with admin paperwork and all that and uh, I, I thought maybe I, I will not be able to do that but over the years now two and a half years gone I think God has just keep teaching me I'm I'm learning the culture learning how to lead the church here in Oman with this kind of mindset here. So I'm still learning. So, but before I share my story about my journey in mission, uh, I have listened to some of your sermon here that you all, some of you are amazing preacher here, including Rob, of course. <laughs> and I, I just love listening to all your sermons and, um, and I just like the way you talk about foundations. At the moment you are in the foundation. So I thought, I think we do need foundations when it comes to mission. Otherwise, mission becomes all over the place yeah. when we don't have a proper foundation. And uh, as I was preparing this, and this is a picture I saw, a pictorial vision that God showed me, is a massive kitchen. In this big kitchen, and then there are lots of people walking in this kitchen. Some people were cutting vegetables, some were cutting meat, trying to cook in this kitchen. And then there's this guy who's kind of like, look like a father, walking around and trying to instruct these children. They're all adults, but he's trying to instruct them and said, he said, I want you to cut this way. I want you to cook this. This is the meal that I would like to eat. This is what I want you to do. And most of them are not listening. They were just busy walking in the kitchen and cooking for the father of the house and few are listening. So I was asking God, why is it all of that? Why are you showing me this kitchen? I thought maybe because I love cooking myself. Uh, I'm the chef in the house. I always cook. And maybe because of that, maybe so much of cooking happening in the kitchen, that's why I saw that. But the Holy Spirit was just telling me that that's how, it's, that's how it kind of like revealed in the picture of doing mission. And we kind of ending up doing so many things, busy with so many activities, but actually it is not the food that the father wants. So I just, if you look in the global mission, in the universal thing that is happening, people are just doing many things. I was once like that. 
I was doing too many things when I was first became a Christian. I was involved with the Youth for Christ, Youth with the Mission, Campus Crusades, and all sorts of FIBA radio, speak in the radio, doing so many things, getting involved in many, many things. One day I sat and I said, God, if this is what you want me to do, I think we need more people. And I, God said, yes, now you, you, now you know. Now you know that. That is where I want you to pray for more laborers. But then, later on, God, he narrowed me down into something that he wants me to do. I realized that only when I reached Oman. But my journey started when I was 24 years old. I met this Jesus. And uh, a year before I became a Christian, I have become an atheist. I didn't want to get to do anything with God. I was so, so angry with God because for 23 years I was angry because of my own fault, not his fault. But then one year before I became a Christian, I said, that's it, I'm done with believing that there's God. So I thought I'm just call it off. Then my life was, at that time, I, I'm, I'm kind of like, if you look at me, you'll probably not know that I was a rock singer before. <laughs> I used to sing all these heavy metal songs, blues and jazz and all that, touring places, and that's how my life was ruined. And I was doing my civil engineering at that time. So I was supposed to finish the civil engineering in four years, but I end up doing it in seven years because of the mess that I created for myself. But at that time was a time when I hit rock bottom in my life, then God just got hold of me and pulled me out from that. And the story of how I met Jesus is like this. And one day my neighbor called me. I, for you to understand about my place, I live in that place where I call the Scotland of the East, Mikaria. Then I travel, I have to travel 5,000 kilometers to do my university in India. India is such a massive country. So while I was studying there, that's where I was far away from my parents, my family. I messed up my life in there. Then one day I came on a holiday, my neighbors invited me to the Bible study, to a meeting like this, but a, a smaller one. So I said, oh no, there's no way I will come. But they're my best friend. I said, I'll just please them. Let me come with them. So one day I decided to go. I went. And then I heard this teaching for the first time in my life about the church, which I've never heard before. Then I said, I like it. I will go the next Monday. The next Monday, I keep going. The fourth Monday, this Bible teacher who was teaching the Bible, he said, today I felt the Holy Spirit told me to preach the gospel because there's someone here who are in need of to hear the gospel, to, to hear about Jesus. So he started preaching. And as he was preaching, in the beginning, I was laughing at him because I've never seen a preacher in my life. So I was laughing. I said, what, what is this guy doing? He's, he seemed like a very passionate you know, person. He shared his passion out. But little did I know, just 10 minutes before the end, the Holy Spirit started walking in my... I got, I got confused. I, got, I don't know what, what... But he's walking the last 10 minutes. And then at the end, he said, if you want to receive Jesus today, come forward. And I went and gave my life to Jesus that day. Wow. I remember it's the 10th of August, 1992. I gave my life to Jesus. 
I remember the day, I remember the time, I remember the time that I went forward with so much of shame at the same time to go forward, but I went. And when I went, and then after I've been there, the meeting is over, he told us to sit back, to stay, stay back, so he wants to share something to us. Then he, he told us these beautiful verses in the Bible. He said, you know that. From today, you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come for you. You are no longer that old person that you were. He didn't know anything about my life. I knew how to keep all the secrets. <laughs> and he didn't knew, know anything. Then he said, he just keep affirming with these words. And today, God has sealed the spirit of sonship upon you. That you are no longer just an illegitimate child. You are the child of God. You have been sealed with the spirit of sonship. You are a new creation. And all of an amazing, amazing promises of God. I, I literally believe those words like, like a small baby at that time. Like a small baby, I just said, yes, that's for me, that's for me. And then that's where the, my life changed completely. My mom was there in the meeting. She came and ran from the back. She came and gave me a hug. She said, I was so happy that finally you gave your life to Jesus. <laughs> because she knew that I was a black sheep. I, I was so naughty before I left my family to go to, to, go to, the, to the southern part of India. I used to be a kickboxer. I used to do street fighting, punching people for money, beating up people for money. So we used to do that kind of things before. So then finally when I became a Christian, she knew that. I, I have really given my life to Jesus, and she really got excited. And then I got into mission. All he, my Bible teacher said, now I have called you to go and tell others about what you have just heard and what you have just received. And I don't know anything about the Bible. Zero knowledge about the Bible. And then my mom gave me the Bible the next day as a gift for me to read. I, have, I just didn't understand anything. So I went to spend some time with this Bible teacher and learn the scripture from him. And for three, four hours, I used to sit under his feet and learn the Bible. And that's how I used to follow him wherever he goes. He goes and preaches the gospel every weekend. And we have to stay for two, three nights in some villages which you have to walk three, four hours by foot sometime. So I used to travel all of that. And and one day, I, I remember that he told me, he said, uh, Pin, uh, are you ready to preach? I said, no, I'm not. I said, I'm not going to preach. I just want to follow you. I just want to, you know, be with you. And what he does, he used to take me around and make me to sing the altar call song. It, we were very, very Billy Graham style at that time. He preached and I sing the song at the end, altar call, and people come and receive Jesus. And that's how we do every weekend. And uh, then finally, when I got so excited, I said, okay, one day I will preach. But I didn't know when that day. And four years after I got saved, and my Bible teacher went with me to this village, which we have to walk three hours down. It was a difficult terrain to walk. And when we reached down, my Bible teacher was shaking. He said, I cannot stand and preach anymore, he said. He said, can you please preach for me? I said, I don't have any notes. I, you didn't tell me one week before. You told me right now. He said, I'll give you my notes. I'll teach you right now, he said. The night before I preach, he taught me how to preach. Wow. <laughs> he gave me his notes. He said, just do this, 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 this. Since I have followed him for so long, and then I went and preached on that day. And they all, after the preaching, said, you sound just like your Bible teacher. They said. <laughs> I said, because he told me to, to do that. So, 
and that was my journey first. And then people started getting to know me that I'm a preacher, so they started inviting me. So for so many preaching, I got uh, invitation every week. And then in 99, I remember, we were about to touch 2000, yes, and I was invited in February for the program that I'll be speaking in December. So I said yes for that program. I have to speak to 5,000 young people, and it's a youth challenge conference. So I said yes to that, but as I was saying yes to that, I was reading the Bible as well. It's my devotional in the morning. Genesis 12. You all know that verse, that Abraham was called by God, said, hey, I want you to leave your family, leave your country, leave everything. And I just kind of like saying, no, God, I think you got it wrong. I, I was having a fight with God. I said, look at these programs. I've got these programs, and I have become popular now. Everybody knows about me, and I'm like one of the top preacher. So everybody's calling me to preach. So I said, I think you've got it wrong. And every day when I read the Bible, when I pray, God just keep pushing in me. I want you to leave my hometown. I was so comfortable in my hometown. Mm -hmm. I was known, I was popular, and I was doing really, really well. Thousands of people, I preach almost every week to thousands. And in the Presbyterian circle, if you know that we've got district, presbytery, and synod, and all that thing, which the big one is a synod. The synod is like more than 100,000 people gathered once a year. So I have been up to presbytery. I mean, that's around 20 to 30 churches coming together to hear the gospel. So just for you to clarify, we preach to the Christian in my place, because most of them are just Christian biologically, like born in the Christian family, and they don't know to be born again. So we preach them to how to be born again. So then I argue with God. I said, God, I think you got it wrong. I don't want to really go. Please find someone else and keep, God said, you have to go. And finally, I said, okay, okay, I'll do it. And I said, okay, okay, I'll put a condition to God. I said, God, I'll put these conditions. The condition one is that you have to find me a job in the Middle East if you want me to go there. And he told me Middle East. I have never been abroad in my life. And then he said, I said, the second is you have to provide everything that I need because I have zero money. And you will know later on, I'll tell. And then um, at that time, God, I just left that. I was hoping and praying that God will fail <laughs> with those conditions that I put to him. I, I mean, I, it was so bad of me to say that. But I said, I was hoping that God will fail me so I can stay back in India. And then uh, I made a mistake. <laughs> I made a mistake in putting condition to God. And God, one day I got a call from the Middle East and said, hey, you, we have got a job visa for you if you want to come. First of all, at that time is landline. I said, how did you get my mom and dad's phone landline? <laughs> First of all, I've never applied for a job. I've never given any CV to you. And he said, it's a long story, he said. I'll tell you later on. He said, we've got a family business here. If, if you want to come, come. I said, you know, I have put this condition to God, so I think I will come. But then, at that time, I have no money. Not even for my flight ticket, not even for my passport, nothing. And then I got a call again from Oman and said, oh, we have booked a flight for you. We heard that you are planning to come, so we have booked a flight for you. Anytime you can come, go to the Oman Air, 
airlines and you can collect the flight ticket from there. And that I didn't have to pay. And I said, wait a minute, now I need you know, proper clothes and proper decent shoes and nice things to go on medical checkup and all that cost a lot of money. Then one day, a group of people came early in the morning to my mom and dad's house. They came early in the morning. I said, oh, what are you doing here in the morning? They said, oh, we are coming to visit you. I said, that's nice. Uh, do you remember us? I said, I think I remember, but I don't know exactly from which village you are. So they said, last night we prayed together as an elder of the church, and the Holy Spirit told us to bring this money to you. Wow. And I said, wow. First of all, I thought about God. I said, oh, here we go again. <laughs> he he meet all the conditions. So and then... Uh, and they said, come, come, sit, sit here. And they, sh they said, open the envelope. So I opened the envelope. There's lots of money in that envelope. And from a village church, which is very poor, and they give me so much money. So I said, anyway, I pray to God, I will take the money, but when I earn some money in the Middle East, I'll send you back the money, I said. Maybe more than that. They said, no, there's a letter in the envelope. Read the letter. I said, okay, I'll read. So I opened the, opened the letter. I said, this is a down payment. We're going to employ you as our civil engineer to design for us a new church building. I said, what happened to the old church that I came? It's a very small church. It's half the size of this, this church that I went. And I went nine months ago before the time that they came to me. And they said it was too small now. And they shared to me the story. They said, when you came to that village, when you preached, you didn't know that we have put megaphones in all the trees in, that, in all that around the village. And when I preached from the church, actually all the other villages here, I didn't know that. And I asked altar call. I asked the altar call only for the people in the church, but actually many, many people gave their life to Jesus in that. And because of that, the church praised Jesus for that. And because of that, the church is getting smaller and smaller because most of the pe people have come down and joined the church. So then I, I, I took the money, I went to Oman. And when I went to Oman, I got frustrated, to cut the story short because I have no time. And I got frustrated, I said, I'm, I'm going to resign them. I, I can't reach to these people because they are Muslim. I cannot preach the way I used to preach in India. I got frustrated with all these things. And I knew what God wants me to be there, but I was fighting against God. I resigned from the company after one and a half year. That was the time that when I resigned, my beautiful wife, came to Oman <laughs> and uh, when she came to Oman and I know I'd, I have no interest interest in her I had no interest before in her and then when I invite one of the preacher to my meeting we have an underground church in Oman in the house we meet quietly so this preacher prophesied at the end he prophesied to all the people in the room and he came to me and whisper he said pin I know this prophecy uh, uh, is not allowed here, but this one he said, God told me that four weeks from now, you're going to meet a woman who's going to be your wife. I said, what? I said, I don't have any girlfriend till now. I was very busy with God all the time. I never have a girlfriend. I never go out and find or spend my time in it. My time I spend it for the kingdom. And then I, I said, four weeks from now, Mm, that's that's very very unlikely so then I just kept quiet four weeks exactly I bumped into Hannah again and when I bumped to Hannah it's like coming to church like this meeting so we meet 
and the Holy Spirit said, this is the woman that you have to ask her to marry you. I said, to ask her right now, straight away. He said, yes, ask her to marry you. <laughs> I didn't have the courage to do that. I said, wait, God, I think I need to fast and pray first, just to get a confirmation. So I fasted and prayed for three days, and I, I, I just drink juice, and I, I said, God, you really have to give me courage, and make sure that it's right. I don't want to embarrass myself. Then after three days, I went to her, yet I didn't get the courage to say. On the fourth day, I went, I said, Hannah, God told me to marry you. I don't know what you'll think. <laughs> and Hannah, you should see the reaction in Hannah. <laughs> we don't do like this in England, she said. <laughs> I said, we don't do it in my place as well. But this time, God told me, so I have to come and tell you. So then uh, Hannah said, I have to ask my mom and dad, she said. I said, that's the right thing to do. <laughs> then we started praying together, and then we found out that God really wants us to be together. So we didn't waste any time. Eight months down the line, we got married. So uh, some people said to me that, Pin, because you're so busy for the kingdom, you're so busy doing mission, you have no time to find your girlfriend. So God has to find your, your wife in this way by just telling you directly. <laughs> go, and, go and tell her to marry you. <laughs> and uh, it's just a very, very funny thing to, to happen to me. But and then after that journey of meeting Hannah, then we started doing a lot of mission works. We see people, supernatural stuff happening, especially in the Middle East. It's just out of, the, out of the world, out of this world. It's like, I remember once we went and prayed for some of the Muslim who invited us to pray for the, the demons that they have in their house. Are you okay if I talk about the demons here? You're okay with it. So I'm not trying to scare you this, but it's a bit scary. So, so they asked us to go, so we, me, Philip Ansari, another brother of mine who was a Muslim convert, but very passionate about God, he came and Nibin. So three, four of us, we went to pray for this. As soon as we walked into this threshold of the house, the ladies in the house started screaming. Screaming so loud. And then when we walked, then we turned to the right, we saw this Imam coming from Iran. And he is the witch doctor who's supposed to drive out the demons in that house. But he couldn't do it, one of the relatives, but he couldn't do it. So we had a chat with him first, and he said that, he said that I have tried my best to chase these demons out, but I couldn't do it, he said. He said there are around more, more than 700 of them. I said, how did you know about the numbers? I didn't know about the numbers. So he said, 700. So I said, okay, we were, we're coming here to pray for them. So then we listened to the story of the house. Is that in that house, the demons, they, uh, all the ladies got demonized in that house and they just scream and, and the men lost their masculinity. The children had nightmare every night. None of them could sleep. The demons were torturing the whole family. So in the Middle East, a family, when I said family, is like a family of 30 to 32 people living in that house. So all the brothers and sisters and the wives and children and all of them are there. So the first thing we went, we said, if you ask us to come, we would love to worship. So we took the guitar and worship. And uh, you know, we don't just pray and drive out demons. We just worship. We kind of like drawing the presence of God into that place. And then we were worshiping God. And as we were worshiping, we can hear literally the roof. It's this thin corrugative roof. We can hear the scratching on the roof. 
we can hear the slam of the window, dong, dong. And one of our brother who came, and he kind of like hide in the corner. He said, Pin, I'm a bit afraid. So I said, it's okay. Stay in the corner. Just pray quietly there. We will be here. So we were worshiping and praying and praying. And then it took us three and a half hours to pray and drive out. And we just felt that the demons really were def defeated and they left. And then two weeks later on, we followed with them. They said, children, no more nightmares. <laughs> and the men, they are back to masculinity again. <laughs> they said, oh, we could sleep with our wives now again. <laughs> and the wives also, there's no more demons in them. They don't have to scream anymore. So that is the power that we see operating in that nation. There are so many things that happen. Uh, even here in the UK when I first came, and I thought, I just want to see more of that. But then somebody said, oh, you cannot do that here. I said, why? They said, no, you have to be very careful. I said, okay. I was a bit afraid to tell but then I started oh, we started running the food bank here then people come to the food bank and they come with stories that they have a car carpal syndromes and all these things and I remember we prayed for one lady with a carpal syndrome and she's not a Christian at all she just came with the dog into the food bank and I just said can we pray for you and I said yes 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 she was so open to it we lay hands we prayed and she got healed. And the, the only thing she said that I said, how do you feel when you, we pray? She said, I just feel the heat. There was so much heat around my wrists. And now she said, I could take my dog out so easily without any pain at all. Those are just a few stories. But what I'm trying to say that mission is something that we are all can be involved in it. Yeah. Okay. It's not just a um, few people, few elite or dedicated ones that some people say. But I have this word for mission is that we've got to be people loving the church, blessing the nations, and pursuing the role of a local church in the local and global mission. I think that's what we are called to. So I remember the queen when she was... Um, uh, when she was giving a speech when she was alive. She gave a speech one I remember she said that we are all just passing through in this life. We are put here on earth to learn, grow and laugh. And after that we go back to God. I said what an amazing statement that she made. It is so true that we are all in that way. And also the spectrum of mission is so vast. And God Never ever despise any kind of mission. <laughs> Whether you have gone to China or to the jungle of Africa or anywhere, or, or some of you might be in a mission to get it right with God. <laughs> mission is like you have been sent by God into this world, okay? And you probably realize it when you became a Christian. Actually, if you look in Genesis, you are made for mission. You are created for mission. But when you became a Christian, you realize that you have been sent by God into this. We are an apostolic people. We are, we are the sent one, all of us. So God will never despise the one who tried to get it right with God or trying to read the Bible regularly or trying to come to church every Sunday or trying to speak to the neighbors or trying to say to win some of their friends to God or to the one who has gone to Philippines, to China, to Myanmar, to whatever place you are in. God never despises the spectrum of mission. He loves all of that. He, he, he is interested in whatever you are doing. That's what I want to share with you. He is so interested in whatever you're doing. 
But then you will learn how to do what the Father is doing. As you journey with him, I remember myself, I have done so many things which the Father probably said, oh, that's quite not what I want you to do. <laughs> and now I have learned how to in, get in tune with the Spirit. When Rock tell that I have to go to Myanmar, out of the blue, he just told me, go to the border of Myanmar. And I went there with, I didn't know anyone. But the journey is, is too long to tell you the story. But as I moved there, God opened the doors, meeting people that I've never met before. They are like angels that God has kept me on the way. It's just amazing. And then the healing that took place, there are so many healings here and there that I managed to pray for someone, managed to pray for someone, and the healing took place. It's just because I do believe that God, when He wants us to go, He wants us to carry that, that gift with us. That, I, that uh, the world will say confident, but I would say my, 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 my relationship with my father. I carry that with me. And simply, I think we just have to know if you say, oh no, the, I think the people who do missions, only the elites, the uh, dedicated one, the one that, you know, that's poor, sometimes uses words that mission and missionaries, they always associated with being poor, old cars and all that. <laughs> so it's very, very sad in the way they look that way. But actually, we are all on a mission. We are all missionary for Jesus. Amen. So I'll have to stop there. Sadly, I've got so many things to share with you, but that is a story we meet next time when you, if you come down to Aylesbury, I can share with you some more about it. But before I close today, I just want to share what God has just put in my heart. In the time of worship, when you were all worshipping, I kind of like seeing this rain that is coming in this hall. And I know that, um, that maybe you have heard this before, but this is the prophetic word that one of the ladies brought in our church. She said that, I can't see properly here. I heard the Lord say, expect the rain. And then I began to see the rains of his spirit raining down on the garden of our hearts and no part of the heart was left untouched. The rain is coming and going and begin to begin falling to each, in each area. And not only receive every area, revive every area, of the garden of your heart, but brings refreshment, new life, expansion, new growth, and fruits that you have never seen before. Worship over the watering. As my rain falls, healing will come. As my rain falls, fruitfulness will be abound. Will, will abound. As my rain falls, refreshment will come. As my rain falls, trauma will be washed away. As my rain falls, outpouring of joy, peace, encounter, and ease, encounter, and easy will reign. As my rain falls, exponential growth and life will abound. As my rain falls, creativity will explode. As my rain falls, revelation will pour out and you will hear my voice and like the sound of many waters. As my rain falls, refreshment will come upon you. As my rain falls, weariness will be washed away. As my rain falls, all effects of the previous season and this season have that have stolen and hindered will be removed. Many have lived in the contending position like Elijah for so long. Now you are in the birthing position. 
and the time of rain, the drought no longer remains. And I just felt that that's it. And I also saw some are covering with the umbrella and trying not to get wet. Uh, I just felt God said, remove your umbrella. <laughs> get out. And uh, if you're wearing a raincoat, just remove the raincoat. Just get soaked in the spirit because it will do you so many good. It will really take you to freedoms and, and you'll enjoy more of the presence of God. And I just want to share with you right now. Sorry, I yeah. just want to share one quick thing before he finishes. Pin said when he got to Oman, he felt really frustrated and he was about to resign and go back. But during that two years, he started an intercession group. Oh, yeah. And because, of all, because he's obviously an evangelist and it was illegal to evangelise, God led him and taught him how to intercede. And the whole 18 years we were there, we were praying for an, a local church with the local people, um, which obviously I can't share too much about that. It can't be broadcast, but only after we left it all happened. So even if you don't see the fruit, what God told us to plough the fallow ground. And so we were ploughing and digging and sowing. We didn't see the crops, but we know we heard what happened afterwards yeah, yeah. so what even if god calls you to a different stage of the journey it's all just as important as yeah, the yeah. fruit at the end yeah thank you Hannah. thanks a lot amen so, can i can i pray for you yeah i'll just pray a short prayer i'm sure god will just move from our last today Father, we thank you so much that you have brought me to meet this family here in Solihull. Thank you so much. And so beautiful to see your children here, Lord. So beautiful that they are so passionate about you, about your presence. Passionate to sing worship song to you. Passionate to, to do many things, to come together on Sunday like this. Father, I thank you that, Father, you are, you are just going to let that rain fall right now as I'm praying that let that rain fall into every area bring fruitfulness bring multiplication bring something that they have never and as you have said Lord that you have called us to to be fruitful to multiply to replenish and to subdue and to dominate father I pray that this group of people will dominate, <laughs> will have a spiritual dominion over every power of darkness in Solihull. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come right now, empowering these people for that, Father. Give them that courage, give them that supernatural boldness that, oh God, that they have never seen before. And let your rain fall into those areas, areas of, of uncertainties, areas of, of timidities, area of Lord, let your rain fall into those areas, Lord. And I pray right now, in the name of Jesus, that that they will learn how to dance in the rain. <laughs> and they will not wait for the rain to stop and then dance, but life is not about waiting for the rain to stop. Life is about dancing in the rain. <laughs> and I felt God wants you to dance in the rain. <laughs> and what He wants you when, he, when you, when you take that one step to dance, He will carry you on with all the other dancing. 
I just felt that God wants you to do that one step of dance. Yeah, do not be afraid. You said, God, I don't know how to dance. I don't know how to do mission. I don't know how to really share about you to the others. But God said, no, just take one step. And then I will teach you how to dance. <laughs> just like the way Joshua said to the people who carry the Ark of the Covenant, take one step, Joshua, and then tell them to stop in that River Jordan. When they stopped, the River Jordan parted. And I just felt God wants to really bring you into that place of when your capacity is at the lowest. When your capacity is at the lowest, then you will see the glory of God coming upon you and leading you through. Then you will know that God is alive. God is well and God is great. Father, I pray, Jesus, that you will just empower these people, empowering them by your spirit, that they will never be the same, that they will never say, God, we have, I think we, we, are, we have reached, we have arrived. No, God. When it comes to you, we are in the journey. <laughs> there are more, Lord. <laughs> there are new things that is going to come. God, I pray for those new things. Be open to that. I just felt God wants you to be open to that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Amen.